Disclaimer. This podcast represents the opinions and experiences of Victoria and her guests on the show. All content is for informational purposes and entertainment purposes only. Information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, or replace face-to-face therapy and or medical care. First-gen feeler is exempt from any responsibility of actions or non-actions of the viewer. For medical emergency, please dial 911 or visit your local emergency center. Thank you. Are you a first-generation feeler? That's someone who is a part of the first generation in their family to actively pursue their own healing, feel their emotions, and or break some unhealthy patterns that have been passed down for generations. Does that sound familiar? Here at First Gen Feeler, we're going to be looking at life through the first generational lens and the extra step of looking through the lens of those who came before us to understand or at least try to understand the ultimate question, how the heck did I come out this way? We've all been handed tangled yarn balls of life and somewhere along the way, we figured out life is about learning how to unravel them. Stay tuned for the journey of understanding what we need to function as our best selves, lots of reflection on what has shaped our lives and determining if what we've been given is what we want to keep for future generations. Warning, this might just resonate with some first-gen listeners, and that's okay. Let's grab life by the yarn balls. All right. Hello, hello, and welcome back to First Gen Feeler. I am your host, Victoria, a First Gen Feeler. And uh, just to remind you, this is the podcast about it being okay to explore your emotions and okay to be that catalyst to healing in your family. And ultimately, this is a love letter to your younger self. It's an opportunity to be who you needed back in the day and also to show up for your community now. So with uh, just so much excitement, I'd like to introduce my co-host. Actually, they can introduce themselves. We uh, used to be colleagues and they are so good at what they do. And I'm so excited to have them here. If you'd like to introduce yourself, Elena. Hi, my name is Elena. Yes, I'm super excited to be here. Um, Yes, as Victoria said, we have been colleagues in the past and I like to think we are still colleagues with especially being in the Central Valley in mental health. (laughs) I feel like we have to stay connected throughout whatever entity we work for. Um, But yeah, my name is Elena. I am currently working on finishing up my license to be an LCSW. I just submitted my hours. So fingers crossed BBS works quick on that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I currently work for a short-term therapeutic residential program in STRTP, previously known as Group Homes. Um, We have two facilities. So a total of right now, seven clients, but I'm working on getting that second facility into a traditional six bed as well. Um, So I'm in charge of running the mental health program, um, which is really exciting. A lot of program development, a lot of Um, honestly experimenting with how I want to implement like group therapy and the type of interventions I want to work on and getting the opportunity to specialize in different types of interventions like TFCBT and EMDR and all of that. So I do a lot. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And also ah, group home life and then working in like state regulations and all of that policy work, that policy and licensing guidelines. (laughs) So you are, um, you're just such a trooper. Okay. So 
you're doing really cool stuff. And um, I just want to know, I know that you sort of mentioned what you do, but also at First Gen Feeler, we're about who are we? And so I want to know, um, like, who are you and how are you a First Gen Feeler? I am um, a mom. I'm a new mom. Um, I'm a young mom. I'm, I'm a 26 years old. I don't know if that's okay to say, but um, I'm okay with my age. <laughs> I'm a young mom. My son, he's a year and a half. Um, I am an Armenian. Um, I think that's always important to mention just because um, I am first generation here. I'm the first person in my family to be born here, which is really exciting, um, really different, really difficult, which we'll get to. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm a wife. I'm a mom. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, that's, that's, that's me. That's, that's a lot about me. <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you for sharing. I'm Victoria. I'm hosting today. So <laughs> I'll be here all week. Um, so today the topic is dichos. And so dichos translates from Spanish to English as sayings or phrases. Uh, how do you say that in Armenian? Um, honestly, like, I don't know. Is there anything <laughs> just, for phrases? We just or say sayings? like like, 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 like just things you say, like, like literally that's how you would say it. So oh, yeah. It's, literal. It's literal. Yeah. I don't think there's like a phrase for phrases or sayings. Well, now I've learned something new. Yeah. So that's good. So and correct me. Hey, if any Armenian hears this podcast, correct me if I'm wrong. Look, <laughs> please, please comment, like, and subscribe. Please, yes. <laughs> so uh, the reason that the topic is dichos is because uh, what we say can really shape our lives. And sometimes as we get into adulthood, we don't realize it till we hear it come out of our mouths. And so sometimes that comes out in the form of us having a moment where we're really frustrated and we say something and we're like, oh my gosh, that was my mother. Or, oh my gosh, that was my father. And I can only imagine for you right now, because, you know, your baby is like what a year old. And uh, yes. So and you're probably hearing a lot of your parents come out automatically. Oh my God. Yes. And, and let me tell you, I didn't think about any of these phrases until I honestly was preparing for this because mm -hmm. some of the stuff, like, of course I've been very adamant, but like, I will never be like my parents and that, like, that was so <laughs> wrong. And then there's other things where I do, where I'm just like, oh my God, that is my mom. Or like, oh my God, that was my dad. Or what is wrong with me? But never these phrases. I've never thought about these. And and some of the stuff I'm gonna mention, you know, I've me and my husband, we've said it and, and you know, to our son or even in jokes. And I've never thought about how this has even affected me or my kid or anything. And now I've just been like hyper alert of everything that comes out of my <laughs> oh, mouth. Oh no. <laughs> sorry <laughs> no but it's it's funny it's because there's some phrases that are just funny you know that mm -hmm. we just say and you don't think about it and so like you're an adult like you said and it's just it's funny it's it's a really it was really great preparing for this it brought a, brought to light a lot of things <laughs> so the way that I actually came up with this episode topic was because um I so I don't have kids um but uh I am spend a lot of time with kids. I'm just, a, just lots of family. <laughs> so lots of family and lots of children in my life. And so I get to be around them. You know this, that for years I was a children's therapist. So definitely a lot of experience around children doing uh -huh. this professionally. <laughs> and, um, and so it's just funny the way things happened. And so we were out and I was out with my partner 
and we were with his nephews. One of his nephews, so cute, so small, just like starts to to wander a little bit. And I just, without even thinking about it, said, um, come here or they're going to take you. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, (laughs) and my partner looks at me and he's like, what did you just say? And I'm like, "I, I don't. I let me think about that. <laughs> He's like, you work with children. How is that okay to say? And I'm just like, you know, I need to think on this. I do. And, and I think I just straight translated something. What I translated was, te van a llevar. And in Spanish, it's, they're going to take you. So I got curious, right? And I started to ask myself, like, why the heck did I say this, right? I heard this come out of my mouth and I even translated it. Like I went the extra step (laughs) to translate it to English. It must be that important. So then I start to ask other people because we go out to uh, dinner then with one of our other friends and their husband and they're also um, Mexican, right? Mm -hmm. And so I said, hey guys, is this a thing in your family or was this just (laughs) me? Maybe it's just me. And they're like, oh no, yeah, that's something that we say. So then it started like a really like informal informal poll with people. So then every time I'd run into one of my um, Latino friends, I'd be like, hey, just a question, random, okay? So like, have you ever said this phrase? Has this phrase ever been said to you? And just... I would say 100% of the time, at least the people that I ran into, maybe it's a very biased poll. They were like, yeah, that's something that was said. So as I started to delve deeper into that and really do some more like inner exploring, I was seeing at how it had seeped its way into facets of my life to the point where I do have a certain paranoia about people taking me. Like when I go Mm -hmm. out for runs, when I go for walks, also a piece of it is, yes, the world is scary and it can be, but it's not really something that we tell tiny children, right? Right. Like this is going to happen to you. No, it's usually like, oh, come here. I need you to stay close. That's what professional people (laughs) (laughs) say. I'm like, I'm great at doing that. Yeah, sure. But it just goes to show like even whether you're professional or you're just trying to learn things on your own, either way, it's the things come out unless you're doing the inner work to be more aware. But I just thought that this really tied to ice culture in the Latino community. And so then it started to like get deeper for me in that I'm like, no, shoot. Yeah. That probably was passed down because of the fear of being deported. And then you get to bring up like, well, I didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. I I was born here. Right. So I'm like, I'm here. But I think that there's just so much mistrust, just thinking like it doesn't matter. And I think that happens with a lot of communities of color as well. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if you are doing everything right, because there's always that fear because patterns of time have shown us certain things. And while this is, this might be also true for history and true for lots of things, also recognizing how that somehow seeped its way into my internal self to where Mm -hmm. I've had to actually work through like, it's okay that I go for a walk outside in broad daylight. I'm like, okay, I have my location on and I have this and which are all great precautions in the year 2022. I think that it just influenced me more. I don't know. Do you, do you have anything like that 
in your culture or oh, definitely, your experience? Definitely. And, you know, it was coming when trying to think of all of this ta- like sayings and stuff, there's so many that came to mind, my mind. And a lot of them were also similar to that theme of, you know, being an immigrant here and, and being afraid of, or that level of mistrust, right. With the government mm-hmm. or just American culture. Like one of the phrases that and I don't know if other Armenian families said this, but one of the phrases that my parents said a lot at home was Sean Lezumichosa, which literally translates to don't speak that dog language. And it was mm. every time I would speak English at home. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would watch English TV and everything like that, but I wasn't, I was never allowed to speak English at home, not with my cousins, not with my parents, not with my siblings, like nobody. And everybody spoke English. Like maybe Uh my grandma was like, honestly, the only one that didn't. Um, and yes, it was great. It, you know, instilled that culture in me to know my language, to know my, my, my culture and my language fluently and be able to read and write, but it definitely had a, a thing of mistrust with American culture and just not embracing that side at all. I think that, sorry, I think that that's like an important point too, because in the field that we work in, mental mm-hmm. health is already such, I, at least I feel like from my experience in my culture, it's always been such a quote unquote American thing. Like, yes. like I remember mm-hmm. starting in this field and I, even for myself, like because yes. of those common threads of like, oh, that's so American or that's this. Mm-hmm. Then for some reason in my heart, I was like, oh, I can't do that. Like that sounds, that sounds really like it's not vibing with my culture, right? Like I can't do that. Anti. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even though now in adulthood, I'm like, Oh, like, yes, I am American and I get to reap the benefits of being an American. And this is Mm -hmm. great, but also recognizing what is mine and what is my parents, Mm -hmm. what I've taken on. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. And, and that definitely created a lot of like ambivalence growing up, you know, like having this deep rooted culture and, and faith in my Armenianness, right. And having such strict rules about being Armenian and what it means to be Armenian and, and everything about the culture, but then growing up in America and, and having American friends and, and American culture and music. I like, I remember being young and my older brother, who's 13 years older than me, not letting me listen to like Britney Spears because it was too provocative, you know? And it's like, <laughs> I get it, but it's Britney. <laughs> Hashtag free Britney. And we are so happy for her. <laughs> so it's things like that. And it definitely created a lot of problems because I I didn't fit in with my American friends. I was very foreign. Okay. Uh-huh. I got made fun of a lot. I wasn't allowed to, you know, shave my arms, do my eyebrows, like wear certain things because uh-huh. it wasn't me. It wasn't my culture. It's not uh-huh. okay. So, but then I was like, why? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, why can't I do that? Like, why can't I go to the movies with my friends until like 8 p.m.? Like, why Mm -hmm. can't I have a sleepover with my friend that I've been friends with since like second grade and now we're in like high school, you know? Mm -hmm. Like my first sleepover with like just a, a friend was honestly like in eighth grade, I think. And and they weren't Armenian. So shout out to my mom and dad for finally <laughs> letting that happen. You but mentioned 
You mentioned uh, like a beauty thing where you're like, I didn't shave my arms. I didn't do this. One of the phrases in Spanish that we had is la belleza cuesta. So beauty costs. So Mm -hmm. it's just something that said to you young, even if it's jokingly, like usually it's whenever girls are getting their hair done and it Mm -hmm. hurts, you know, you're getting like braids in or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think of that and how even in moments where in my like teenagehood or my adulthood mm-hmm. where something was like hurting or like, I don't know, maybe I was tweezing my eyebrows or something. Right. And I'm just like, even though I don't say it, my default is like, oh, beauty hair. Like it's natural. So like what, what, is there a dicho for you with oh any my of gosh. that? Yes. And, and funny enough, it's like centered around like one of our most basic needs, food. <laughs> like, and again, I don't know if a lot of Armenian other families said this, but I know my family did. I know my cousins have heard this, um, but it was like every, every time we were eating, if I didn't finish my food, my mom or my grandma would be like, you have to finish your food or your husband's going to be ugly. <laughs> And so it, it was a way to get me to finish my food, of course. But thinking about it now, I was like, oh my God, that was just, you know, brainwashing me or whatever you want to call it to, I have to get married. Like mm-hmm. I, I have to eat, which is a basic need. And in order for my husband to be handsome, like how uh-huh. are the two correlated? I don't know, but it definitely kind of put that, uh, thing of like, as a female, you have to get married. Like I never heard them say this to any of my male cousins. I've Mm -hmm. never heard them say this to my brother. Like it was never a thing of like, Oh, well you have to get married and and this and that. And also like, sorry, sorry. I just, I want to, I want to touch on, even though like my first thought is like, once again, just the idea of always pushing marriage on Mm -hmm. women, the other side of it, because I too just am blessed with so many male cousins and my heart is really with them in thinking people are just like judging if they're ugly or not. Right. And the <laughs> pressure. Oh my gosh. Right. And they, 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 they probably can't do maybe nowadays they can, but they can't do all the things we do at least as women mm-hmm. <laughs> to beautify, but yeah. And, and the pressure. Yeah. Like to think about like my, my brother or my cousins probably hear that. And they're like, well, if somebody else is being told that, like, am I like, you know, like, well, I hope they're finishing their food. I don't know. I don't know. But Mm -hmm. it definitely put a lot of pressure on needing to be married and needing to have a husband. And the more I thought about it, you know, there's a lot of things, a lot of like cultural, like rules and just customs as a female centered around being married and having a husband to take care of you after your parents are done taking care of you. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it was tied into my food, I don't know, thinking about it now, I'm just like, why? Like, why does my basic need of food have to be tied in with getting married? Maybe I'm thinking too much about it, but it's, it's a lot of time with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's what it is. (laughs) I I mentioned it in the last episode. And so I, I also promised I'm like, we're going to have an episode on it, but it's just like, it's such like a thick topic and so important. Yeah, we also have a lot tighter on marriage as well. I just think of like the basic phrase of "yet te puedes casar," like you can you can get married already. And typically, yeah. this is tied to when you learn how to cook or you do something mm-hmm. very domestic. And mm-hmm. so it's like, oh, you can do this, as opposed yeah. to 
I think what we recognize now more in like mental and emotional wellness, which is to right, we have phrases for kids, which is not saying I'm so proud of you, but wow, you must be so proud of yourself to really instill that autonomy and instill just confidence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking of how many times in my childhood, like it did come back to like, oh, I need to be worthy of, mm-hmm. of a husband, or mm-hmm. I need to be worthy of being in a relationship and yeah. how these accomplishments will determine that. And yeah. I'm just like thinking about it now. I'm like, dang, I will journal about that later. <laughs> the number of journal entries I have had since preparing for this podcast episode. I swear. I'll send you my bill. <laughs> But honestly, like, and and there's another like phrase that I know for a fact, every Armenian child has heard this when their parents are in a fit of rage because you have messed up or you have caused so much disappointment to them. And it's marchas darna. And it literally translates to you will never become someone like you'll never become somebody. And and we have, and that's a phrase that I know for a fact I have, we have said jokingly it's amongst friends, like, you know, when somebody messes up, we're just like, oh my God, like, like what are you doing as a joke? Right. Uh-huh. Like not thinking or like whatever. And thank God we've never said that to my child <laughs> because <laughs> I'm just like, I, hearing now that I think about it, I'm like, oh my God, like the amount of pressure and the amount of just toxic pressure that has put on me or just any Armenian child growing up hearing that that is just crazy mm-hmm. like the like you mentioned like the expectations of you know having to be married but the expectations of our parents too and I know a, a very common thing in my culture is you know not bringing shame to your family mm-hmm. um my parents always would say, you know, don't make it so I can't walk around with my forehead showing, you know, like make sure I walk around with my head held high, like don't bring shame to our family. Mm-hmm. And so hearing that and, and it'd be for like little things like, you know, failing a class or like, let's say like ditching school or whatever. Okay. Maybe not so many little things, but <laughs> um, being, like you would hear it often when mm-hmm. you would mess up and your parents are mad at you. And just the amount of pressure and just hearing that, like everything I have to do is to please my parents or is to bring everything good to my family, to to our name. You know, I have to be, have to make my parents proud. I have to, you know, keep our family name high and not bring any shame. And, and all my actions are reflected because people are going to judge me and people are Mm going to talk about our family. Mm. And, and that is just, I, I hear that as a female, but I can only imagine what it feels like to hear that as a male, especially thinking about how much pressure Armenians put on males in our culture. Mm. Um, a lot of that force, you have to be the man of the house. You have to take care of your family, like hold your emotions in because you're a man. Like, you know, I can't tell you how many times my nephews or my cousins have been told, like, you're a boy, boys don't cry. Why? I'm sad. You know, I'm mad. I'm frustrated. And that's a natural reaction. And, you know, or what's wrong with that? And, and hearing that as a man, and I only thought about that. And when I started preparing for this, you know, because I asked my husband, you know, have you ever heard it? Like, you've heard this, like, what do you think that meant for your life? And of course he's very like, I don't want to talk about my emotions, but I, <laughs> I, I was like, think about it. Like, You're like, checks out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, 
think about it. Think about the pressures that you have as an Armenian man, as an Armenian husband, as a father, and, and how that phrase has put that pressure on you growing up. How, do you not hear it every time you don't live up to your own expectations or something doesn't go your own way? Because I do. And whether it be a joke or just like a natural response, like you say, like it goes back to that. It still has so much, so much implication and has shaped our lives in so many ways. Well, I think we think about, and I know we both learned this because we also had one of our same teachers and, but just about learning and how the brain Mm -hmm. works. Right. And we learn everything that we're going to use for autopilot between the ages of zero and seven. Mm -hmm. So if we think about it, how we are super sponges just to get all of these basic needs just to be memorized. So we know how to function in the world. Um, And just an example of that being, okay, in my world, I know that when daddy is quiet and mommy is loud, I need to behave and I need to survive, which then perhaps in adulthood could translate to when my partner is quiet, I get anxious Mm -hmm. because my body and my nervous system learned from way back here that this is what it means, right? And it's through that awareness and knowing where's my nervous system at? Where is also like my factory settings? I always describe it as my factory settings. Where did I get this from? So I feel like with Dichos and with these phrases, what happens is it like integrates itself into your natural nervous system and into your responses. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though to like be a compass and you don't even plan for it It's just, again, you go back to your factory settings of what did I learn to survive? And for men, um, that can be difficult because I know like, at least in my practice and uh, when I was working with children and also when I work with adults, it's, it's that tough part too of recognizing I need to speak to my inner child and let them know it's okay to cry, especially when one of the phrases is, boys don't cry. Right. I feel like that goes across like many cultures yeah. and many languages. Definitely. Or my other favorite one, which is not so favorite is I'm going to give you a reason to cry. And yeah. that's in English and Spanish. You guys have it in Armenian. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I mean, it's heartwarming how at least <laughs> that one translates. And that was another thing too, where I thought about it and all the, the ways that were culturally used to comfort children or not even comfort children just to get children to behave or to stop crying or whatever it was very abusive if you think about it you know and that's not okay and I think about like how my reaction is to my child Mm -hmm. and it's so different and I don't know if that's because I no, it is because of my education it Mm -hmm. is because of you know growing up in a in a country where I'm able to further myself as a female and get that education and learn about new things, new research, new scientific studies that show, Hey, this is probably a better way to approach the situation. And I'm just going to interject with, um, just because strong words, right. And, uh, so the word abusive too, that they can be right. But also I just want to highlight because also here at first gen feeler, We are just also aware that some of the patterns that are unhealthy and that we are breaking weren't necessarily also done with intention, right? Right, It's And it's what you mentioned, which is just that different education, uh, not even 
pointing at like academics or anything, but also just Social. emotionally yeah. and something that we had touched on also the last episode uh, was just talking about survival versus thriving and survival right. versus just existing. So the things that have been passed down mm-hmm. generation to generation oh, to help definitely. us survive. And then this, these are the details that are like mm-hmm. pushed out. So we're still practicing based off of like generations before who yeah. probably were in war and had to threaten their kids a little bit. And so yeah. it's like, we're trying to also recognize, yeah. okay, Hey body and Hey family, we're not in this trauma anymore. Right. And that's so hard to like, I don't know. Unlearn. Yeah. It's unlearn. hard to unlearn that. Yeah. Because it goes back to their brain response too. It mm-hmm. goes back to what their childhood response was and the, the, the trauma that they went through, you know, Armenia was definitely not a like first world country. Like it's Mm -hmm. not. And, and it's, my parents have gone through generational trauma is real and from war and poverty, especially. Um, And it's continuing today. And, you know, there's, there's been a war going on in Armenia for the last like three years and, Mm -hmm. and you hear about it and, and of course it, it's going to trigger some of those natural responses that have been engraved into, into us, right. into our fight, fight or freeze into our core beliefs. And I think that's also important to mention because those core beliefs shape who we are. They shape how we react to certain situations now, even Mm -hmm. when we're not in those dangerous war and poverty times. Yeah. And it's, it's hard, you know, you can't, I'm not going to ever change my parents reactions right they're old like that's that's also just like part of the healing process which is the acceptance and the radical acceptance acceptance. of people can't change unless they're inspired to right in their own way and Mm -hmm. also everybody's healing and change journeys look different and some of them happen earlier and some of them happen later and Mm -hmm. I think ultimately the goal for everyone even if you are doing the healing work is to continue on the journey because I know that you know in the field that if you ever encounter anybody who says that they've learned everything, you know that that's not actually true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and yeah, and absolutely accepting that I'm never going to change my parents. That's, Mm -hmm. That's done and done that old generation. No, but what I can do I can still educate them. I can still mm-hmm. teach them about what I'm learning and what I'm doing and how it's important. And I can't tell you how shocking it was growing up and and have being the way everything was and then getting into the field of mental health and having my parents support or just having conversations with my parents and them being interested and being like, yeah, we don't really believe in that, but that sounds like it, it makes sense. So good. I'm so happy you're happy. And that's cool. Like oh, having those conversations. Yeah. That acceptance was great, even though they say we don't believe it, mm-hmm. but I can, <laughs> I can educate my generation and I can mm-hmm. say, and I can bring awareness to a lot of the things that we continue to experience being Armenians and being an Armenian female, especially, um, and a lot of things that aren't talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and normalizing it and bringing it to light and saying more people do need to talk about it. And there are a group of people that will support you through this because it's not okay. What's like a big thing where you just like, that maybe you encountered in your adulthood where you're like, I wish somebody would have told me this when I was younger. Oh my God. Everything just like, (laughs) 
do, how to change a tire, how to take and do my taxes, anything that a man was supposed to do for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but ultimately, like, like mental health wise, like something therapy, that ended up I would okay. Say getting therapy, like, is one of the biggest things. Like, mm-hmm. I I remember one time, <laughs> this moment stuck with me forever. I I went, I was seeing trying to find a new therapist, right? And so it was like my second or third session with this new therapist, and it ended up being in the same. Um, building complex as a company that um, I used to work for. They're Armenian um, family owned and they know my family. They know like my parents, my brothers and my in-laws. So they're like family, family people, family friends. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I remember after my session with my therapist walking over there and seeing one of like the family friends outside um, and then being like, Oh, Hey, like, what are you doing here? I was like, Oh, you know, I was, I was just coming to say hi, but I just, you know, finished up, um, like over here with, um, this therapist and they're like, Oh, it's so good to see you, you know, but what you're, Oh, so you're going to be working here. Like, that's really great. Like, you're going to be back in the building. I was like, Oh no, no, no. Like it was my therapist. Like I was having my appointment with them uh-huh. and they like looked at me and they kind of like took a step back and they're like, Oh, <laughs> your therapist. <laughs> why? And I, I like laughed. I was like, oh, and instantly I felt so much shame. I was just like, I yeah. it literally felt like I was standing there like naked. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, I, I'm, and I'm like, why am I, I like had a thought where I was like, why am I, why I'm, I'm a therapist myself. Why am I so ashamed? Of it's your factory so- settings. <laughs> yes. Shame. But the fact that this person like who's known my family, like growing, he's known me growing up, like mm-hmm. took a step back and was like, why, why are you going to therapy? Like, how dare you? Like, that's mm-hmm. so shameful. And I was just like, why, why do I have to feel shame about that? Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's totally normal. I didn't feel shame telling my parents about it. You know, I didn't feel shame telling my husband, like, and I don't have shame about it, but just that reaction make, made me feel like that. And I was like, oh my God, I wonder how many other people that know me that aren't like in my family or close circle would have that reaction hearing that I go to therapy and why? <laughs> I know. I, I feel like I've gotten that response, but more so at, again, it ties to the fear and yeah. there's the fear of if you let people know about your issues or if you let yeah. people know you have issues, then what are they going to think of the family? Yeah. Right. And so, or they're going to know something's going on and yeah, right, we yeah. have cheese me. That's the, cheese <laughs> you know, exactly. cheese me, you know, I know gossip. Cheese That's my favorite. Uh, word in the <laughs> <language>. <laughs> so fun. Um, but yeah, cause then you didn't want anybody talking about you. And again, my poor family, it's just like, and then yeah. they got, they got me right <laughs> where I'm just and like, so- let me talk about this. Let me normalize it. I will mm-hmm. gladly talk about how like, yeah, I, I found comfort in therapy also to have a safe space to explore some things about just stepping into your authentic self or what it is to have your own identity. Yeah. Because so much I think of culture is tied to, well, who is your family? Oh my right? gosh. The amount of times I've ran into Armenians that have been like, oh, who's your dad? What's what's your mom and dad's name? Who are you? It's like, well, I'm Elena. Mm-hmm. Nice to meet you. Um, but it's like, yeah, very much so around who your family is, what, keeping that, I don't know, hierarchy of your family, like, or whatever you want to call it, you know, that mm-hmm. keeping your family's head held high and there's nothing why, like I go to the doctor for, you know, headaches. You go to the mm-hmm. doctor when you have diabetes, when you have a, a broken leg and it 
all goes back to that stigma around just mental health treatment, right? Like not understanding it. I think there's a lack of an under, not understanding it from like the brain component mm-hmm. that we have in our education. Yeah. But, but yeah, therapy, getting therapy, man, that was, that was a journey. Like even just coming to the terms of, okay, I do need to go talk to a therapist, like being a therapist and, mm-hmm. and coming to that realize not realization, but just, okay, I, I really do need to go talk to somebody was important because I want to be the best therapist there ever is. And the only way to do that is to make sure that I'm taken care of. Yeah. We and, do a better job when we're practicing what we preach and when yeah. we're aligned with ourselves. I think it I makes love, yeah. the superpowers work better. <laughs> yes. I love telling my clients, yes, therapists, we can be, we're probably the biggest hypocrites. Yes. But I'm working on it by going to therapy. I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm like, when you have a really good session, it means that I'm really on top of my stuff. So yes. that's what it means. So I'm always really excited to do that. Yeah. Um, but I know that you had mentioned before uh, that, there weren't a lot of words for the mental health field in at least that you were familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Like, like terminology wise, especially like I, like we have psychiatry, like, and psychology. So, and it's literally just Hokeban and Hokebush, which is just one is a doctor and one is not. And it was very limited in like what research I have done and, um, the few organizations that I'm a part of now, um, very limited as far as education and, and different techniques and therapeutic approaches mm-hmm. to learn as a clinician over there, um, especially like the parenting stuff. Mm. So everything, every book I've tried to find, every research article about how they practice therapy over there, about what mental health really is over there is literally from like Soviet times. Mm. <laughs> and it's like very outdated, very old research mm-hmm. and I don't know maybe I'm just being too westernized by saying our approaches are a little bit better but there's a lot of scientific research right that supports our approaches today and I and I don't know why that research isn't being implemented or shared or just taught so there's a few organizations that I've been trying to to join to provide that type of support for clinicians in Armenia mm-hmm. about how we do things over here or just different coaching strategies on what we do. And it's just a bunch of therapists in America coming together as an initiative helping. Mm-hmm. But think about it. And that's kind of how all that change starts, right? Yeah. And I think people coming together. Also that there's so much research probably going on in the world. And we only do have this slice Mm -hmm. of our perspective, which is very Westernized Mm -hmm. and being like, okay, we need to calm down and breathe. Even though that's not always my favorite approach, because I'm not going to tell you to do that when you are just enraged. So let's find something else. Right. But I think a lot of um, the different approaches are just really cool. I always encourage people to Google, you know, the internet is a scary place and it can also be a wormhole for other things, but also if you use it in a way to educate yourself so that you can understand more, right? You get to look at different strategies. I'm really a fan of lots of the somatic approaches Mm -hmm. where you're, you're paying attention to your body, lots of mindfulness, whereas Mm -hmm. like there are like EMDR and other really cool Mm -hmm. um, modalities that you could go into. And I think I just really 
respect and appreciate you in your journey to continue learning um, the whole time that I've known you. I've known you for a few years now. Um, and I just appreciate how you hit the ground running and you also aren't afraid to say you're wrong and you're not afraid to say, I don't know. And that is what drives you to also look for more research and to look for more things because you're just so gosh darn creative. I've seen you while you've been doing your thing and you are a super sponge. So you just continued past the seven years old to be a super sponge. Um, And I wanted, I wrote a note for myself here that I know that you said, you know, there's no changing our parents. And then also like, all I can do is educate and also how you appreciated your parents on your journey so far But I think that you, it's sort of like a drop on the rock, right? How it, after years or whatever, however the phrase goes, that it eventually makes an indentation. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that in your practice of just how you live and also Mm -hmm. you and your mama bear self for your child, I think through your boundaries, those are the, the drops on the rock, So I dare say you are, (laughs) although it might not be the drastic change that every kid dreams of, like, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and my mom's suddenly going to understand everything about my mental health or just understand all the things that I've been saying for years. But no, it's, she might not understand it for me, but for my child, my child will not be told that his worth is tied to this, or my child will not be told that, you know, he's ugly if his girlfriend doesn't eat all all her food. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Or even like the basic gender roles, you know, like, like I, I can't, I've corrected my parents, my in-laws, my husband numerous times when mm-hmm. my son has picked up like a broom or like something pink or, you know, and they've been like, oh, even no, the broom, a, even the broom. Oh. And now, no, now, no, now he has his own broom. He has his toy broom. He has the house broom. He loves to clean. I give him the Swiffer. I put a little pad on it and he just goes to town. <laughs> okay. This is not child labor. We're teaching him how to clean. Uh-huh. <laughs> But I can't tell you how many times I've had to to correct. No, that's not just for girls. He mm-hmm. needs to he needs to learn how to clean. He's going mm-hmm. to learn how to cook. He's going mm-hmm. to learn to do dishes and clean up after himself and all of that stuff. No, he's not going to be raised to have mommy do it and then expect his girlfriend or wife Ooh, you know, lucky I, enough to have that partner do that for him. Yeah, I just thought of something which mm-hmm. I didn't put in the outline, but let me say it before it like leaves me. Like if you were to create a phrase, Ooh. a bichon, if you were to create your own bichon to pass on. Oh, I'm going to think about that one. Specifically for your, one. maybe for your son, like, and for the oh next generation, you know, and maybe your nieces and nephews. And so it doesn't have to be gender specific, yeah. but what would be that thing? What would be your new phrase? And then, I don't know, like a millennia from now, they're like, oh, this is just something we say. This is just something we did. Uh, go to therapy. <laughs> my new details. Everybody go to therapy. Um, I don't know. There's so, so many things that honestly becoming a mom, becoming a parent had has changed in, in the things I believe in, the things I want him to now believe in or just morals and ethical boundaries to have, you know, or just uh-huh. things to, to be as a person. I, I don't know. There's so many things. Um, Leonard Skinner has a song, simple man, and it's one of their most like famous songs and everything. And it's so beautiful. And I always say, I, I hope Hodge wants that to be our mother son song at his wedding. Cause it's just so cute. 
but it's, it's all about, you know, like the simple things. And I'm Uh a firm believer in that. And, and the simple things are what make life happy, what make life good. And it's Mm -hmm. the little things, it's little progress. It's the, it's important. The little things are important. And I think honestly, that's what helps me get through the day being, that's what helps me be so bubbly and energetic and, and yellow and sunshiny all the time. And, and I had, that's a barrier I face in my, in my career as a therapist, because my clients, you know, they see that and they're like, well, what is wrong with you? You can't be happy all the time. That's fake. Mm-hmm. fake. And it's like, no, I'm not happy all the time, but I'm high energy and I'm happy in this moment because I'm able to be here and enjoy my moment and, mm-hmm. and not, not think about all my, my past and my future and all the anxieties mm-hmm. and just being mindful. Right. Um, but we never got that growing up. We never got somebody to say, just be in the moment, enjoy the simple things. Yeah. Stop worrying. I I think like I probably got a lot more in my childhood of like, enjoy the simple things. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say just to go the complete opposite of a saying that I heard a lot of, um, which I had to unlearn, which was, um, I think it was just simply like, don't cry. Mm -hmm. Like, do something else, right? We're, we're so rooted also in distracting from the uncomfortable feelings. And especially if our parents didn't have those tools and didn't know how to do it, then it's really easy to distract your kid and be like, no, don't cry. Here's food, right? No, here's Here's this, here's that. Cocoa melon. Yeah. Yeah, Here's (laughs) cocoa melon. And I think for me, if I were to make a dicho, um, it's okay if you're sad because I'm thinking back to my like smaller self and I'm like, that would have been a cool dicho to have right Right? (laughs) outside of like, you know, I'll give you a reason to cry or like, why are you crying? And I think, I think even George Lopez has like a joke, like, why are you crying? (laughs) Yeah. So I think of that and I want to go the opposite of recognizing that low emotions do happen because it just, it's also received as like, oh my gosh, something's wrong. Some, yeah. and, and then poor sadness. What? Like it gets this like bad rap of like, nobody wants to be around you. I mean, I know you've seen um, Inside Out. Inside Out. But and- I think of that and I'm just like, sadness, sadness. got a bad rap. And then so did anger, sure, yeah. even though they're so important. Mm-hmm. And so I would want to give them some love and be like, yes, sadness exists. And it's important that we recognize it because it's telling us something, right? Our body's giving us a cue. Definitely. And I think honestly, like growing up and like in my community, in my family, in my culture, whatever you want to call it, having that would have been so helpful. Having Mm -hmm. that would have been so nice. Just, just hear like, you don't, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. And honestly, having a strong female role model, tell me that Mm -hmm. would have, probably changed so much for me having a strong female tell me like you don't have to put up with that like you it's okay to feel sad but you know don't mm-hmm. don't put up with that like there's never that told to me or my other cousins female cousins or anything it was mm-hmm. very like it's okay just it's fine just move on just you're fine just keep going oh we're we're so good at moving on oh, yeah yeah <laughs> or i just posted this on first gen feeler this week or last week but it was like whatever you don't 
um, whatever you sweep under the rug, you're eventually going to trip over. Yep. And I'm like trying to remember, I'm like, did I say it in the last episode? I repeat myself a lot. So it's there. But it's so important because mm-hmm. yeah, that rug is going to grow. And then what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah, just, it's okay to not be okay. And I, I can't tell you how often I tell my clients that, and I don't live by that often. Mm-hmm. That's something that again, goes back to my core response, my in, in like, that no, I I have to just keep going. And being a mom now too, you know, I, I've caught myself, you know, dismissing my feelings and mm-hmm. making my feelings not valid. And and it's like, why? It's okay for me to be stressed out. It's okay for me to have, you know, mom guilt and mom rage and mom resentment and everything that comes with postpartum just depression and anxiety and just postpartum that's life. a whole nother episode like, you know I want to get you oh, and a couple others that we know to do a postpartum episode because like, that's important um to also touch on because there's a lot of there's a lot of yes, details there so much. <laughs> but just hearing that it's okay to not be okay okay and, and how do you say that in Armenian so if we have any like young Armenians listening they're like look at here's here's a role model telling me Honestly, I would just say it's okay with the hurrahs. Like it's okay like for whatever the emotion is. Like it's okay that you're sad. Mm-hmm. And I like I and that goes against everything my parents have ever said to me growing up. Oh my god, <laughs> light bulb moment. I like I like speaking arm English. I like using English phrases because sometimes there's not a phrase in Armenian that captures it's okay. Like mm-hmm. saying vochinch, which is just, it's okay. It just means nothing. It literally mm-hmm. means nothing. So I'm like, and that's something we've been told growing up, like telling my mom I'm sad and being told vochinch. It's like, it's nothing. That's not nothing. It's something. It's important. And words are important. Not enough. Yeah. And so, they end up being very like impactful as we can tell because it just yes. like gets back in here. But I, I gotta, I gotta keep us on time. Right. Yes. Cause you and I could be here <laughs> for days. We could, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not mad about it. Um, so we're going to take us to the final question. And the final question is, you know, being that this is the opportunity to show up as someone who you needed when you were younger, you know, being that first general model, yeah. what would you tell little you if you could speak to them today? Oh man. So many so many things. Um, but I think the one thing, and this was really hard. I'm not going to lie. Thinking about this is really hard, but I think the one thing, one theme that keeps resonating is just have faith in yourself, like have faith in your abilities, regardless of what the world tells you, Mm -hmm. regardless of what barriers are placed in front of you, what limitations are forced upon you have faith in yourself and don't be scared of that. Don't be scared of taking that faith in yourself, that leap of faith in yourself. Trust yourself. It's okay. Like you, you got this, like you can do it. You are strong and you are very capable. And all these things that I tell my kid now, you know, every Mm -hmm. night right before bed, like, I love you. Good night. And you are so brave. You are so strong. You're so capable. You're so smart. All those things, but definitely just have faith in yourself. I wish somebody would have told me that because there have been so many barriers, so many limitations in life where I have faced and I now think back and I could have handled differently if I had just trusted my, my ability to, to get through 
hard times to get through something that is different than what I've grown up being told and that it's okay that Mm -hmm. you are a trailblazer and it's time to make those changes. Oh, I won't make you translate that. (laughs) That would be way too hard. I don't even know what trail, I don't even think that's a word in English because they wouldn't encourage women like that. I mean, in an Armenian (laughs) Well, I mean, I think that I... I've had um, the pleasure of getting to know more about your culture through you. And then also just because of the the wonderful location that we're in, I've also had other Armenian friends uh, throughout the years. And I just feel (laughs) just so honored to also just be a witness to the culture and to learn and have that opportunity to learn and also get to see like what connects us and just as humans. And I just think it's really cool. Just all of the things that you are doing and that you will continue to do. Uh, congratulations on submitting. And I, I wish you good luck on taking your, your exam. So if today you are listening and you thought of any phrases that you realize now after listening to this, (laughs) that (laughs) impacted you growing up or now that comes out of your mouth and you're like, shoot, I actually don't want to continue that cycle. As always, I do encourage seeking out therapy. Obviously we're very big fans of therapy and (laughs) nothing has to be quote unquote wrong to go to therapy. It can also just be that safe space for you to figure some things out, even if you're having patterns um, or you want to go into exploring your identity more. So uh, feel free to drop a comment on um, any phrases uh, that you have that you're just like, oh, you forgot this one, or this is one, or hey, Elena, they actually said that in my family too. And for anybody who my quotes resonated with, like, please just leave a comment. I hope that this touched you today and that uh, you had a good time. We had a great time here. Definitely. Uh, thank you, Elena, for joining. You thank have you to- for the opportunity. I mean, this is great. I, I, I love the opportunity to talk with you. I love the opportunity to educate about my culture and just people in my culture too. I love being Armenian. Being Armenian is such a beautiful thing. And I think more people need to be educated about it. And thank you for the opportunity to be able to tie both Armenian and mental health together. And one thing, I love it. Thank you. And I don't (laughs) believe this is the end for us. I don't, uh, because there's just obviously so many other topics and you girl, you know, you're coming back. So I will see you, (laughs) but let me finish this off with, thank you so much for being here today. Please give a follow on Instagram at first gen feeler and tune in for next episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening. Be sure to click subscribe so that you can listen on all the topics we're going to jump into. Also, feel free to share this. Maybe you have friends who are first gen feelers also on their journey. Give a follow on Instagram at first gen feeler. We hope to see you soon. Have a good one.